Welcome to Marriage in the Rough. I'm Paul. And I'm Jen. And we created this podcast for married couples who have one or more spouse afflicted with mental illness. I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I've been diagnosed with PTSD and major chronic depressive disorder. In this podcast, we will share how we navigate through our struggles to maintain a vibrant marriage. We combine what we've learned through counseling, medication, essential oils, physical health, and most of all, our faith in Christ. We hope you benefit from our story and what we've learned from our personal trials and struggles. Hey guys, welcome to episode one of the Marriage in the Rough podcast. You know, our story is a long and crazy story, I'm sure like a lot of you. So we are going to share that story over time. But for now, we're just going to get right into it with this first episode, which is on expectations. And I'm going to have Jen talk a little bit about that. So when we decided that we were going to do this, we were going to originally have the first episode be about us and our story and how we got to where we were at. And during that original discussion, we got into a fight, which is quite typical because Paul had expectations of how I should respond or react to what he was currently doing. And I didn't respond the way that he wanted to because my brain is wired Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. I'm a five on the Enneagram. So I'm an observer, I'm a learner, and I am logic-based. And my husband is a four on the Enneagram, and he is feeling-based. And so he had feelings with what he was showing me on the podcast, and I was busy looking at the data. And as he wanted me to have the reaction based upon the feelings of the words and the music that were coming through for our introduction, I was looking at the actual data and he had his expectations of wanting me to respond feeling based and that caused us to have a fight. So we decided that our first episode was going to be on expectations and how our expectations of what we expect our spouse to do or respond or react actually leads to dissension and the start of a crazy cycle. So we need to be careful about what we expect from each other. So Jen and I have both done a lot of work over the past seven years. How long have we been married? Seven seven years? About that. Almost almost seven years. We did zero work the first year. Yeah, we did zero work. (laughs) So more on that later. I did in some of the work and reading and stuff that I did regarding expectations. I remember reading a book. And it talked about how we paint this picture in our mind of how we foresee an evening going, for example. You know, and I do that. I, I, I paint this picture like I'm going to come home and my wife is going to greet me with a big kiss and a hug. And we're going to have this lovely dinner and sing Kumbaya. No, I'm kidding. And it's just going to be just gonna be a nice, you know, lovely evening. And then you come home and it's it's the exact opposite. There is no warmth. There's no greeting. You feel disrespected, you feel unloved, and so that would trigger me, and I would get upset, and um, that would that would cause a crazy cycle, because it would then go into, I'm not understanding her and what's going on with her, and I'm just having expectations of my own without being mindful of things going on in her life. Well, I'm going to actually interject. I had no idea that he had any of those expectations. I had no clue that he had a vision of what the evening was going to look like. And 
he would walk in the door and I would just start talking to him about, I don't know, just whatever it was, what, whether or not it was dinner or whether or not it was what our daughter did at school that day. So I had no idea. And Paul never actually spoke <laughs> any of that stuff. So I was oblivious to it. He would then, like I said, he's a four on the Enneagram, so he's emotion-based. And I think you could probably tell by how the evening kind of planned out in his head. And his emotions, and I always tell him this, his emotions fill a room. They're tangible. You can feel them. Anyone can feel them. If Paul is upset, the entire world knows that Paul is upset. And for me, I'm very different because I can compartmentalize my emotions. And so while I can be upset with Paul and he will know I am upset with him, our daughter can come in and I will put a smile and I will light up and I will be able to be kind and nice with her. And that was something very difficult for Paul in the beginning, especially because he doesn't have that ability. And that just goes to show that opposites attract. Um, and so we're just very, very different people. And in the beginning, we didn't know that we could build off of our differences. Instead, our differences caused us to go into the crazy cycle. He had expectations and I had expectations. So he walked through the door. I didn't greet him in the way that he expected me to. And I would just start talking about whatever topic was there or whatever we needed to do. And then he would get upset and I could sense his emotions. And because his emotions were upset, I don't know how many of you are familiar with how emotions work, but we have what's called mirror sensory. So it is natural for us to react in kind. So if he's mad, I'm mad. If he's sad, I'm sad. And that's how babies learn. So he never actually spoke to me. I had no idea that he'd have these expectations. He would walk in the door, have them, and then his emotions would take up the room. And so then I tend to withdraw and then I get upset. Then he can sense that I'm upset with him because like I said, I am good at letting the person I'm upset with know that I'm upset with him. And then he would want to then talk it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I always want to resolve things quickly. Um, that was something I had to get used to or learn, I guess, with Jen is that um, not everything needs to be resolved right away. And for me, it's like, well, let's just let's just uh, talk about this and kiss and hug and make up and let's get past it because those emotions don't feel good. And I don't like to not feel good. So it made sense to me to just resolve it as quickly as possible in order to once again, feel good. It was so bad that I would literally follow her around the house. I would stand over her and hover arms crossed, not understanding why she couldn't talk about it, why she had to disconnect. That took a long time for me to learn that. And that actually falls right into line with expectations because his expectations were that we would resolve it right away. And that doesn't work for me. I have to process them. I have to, or process my feelings and my emotions, and I have to give it time. And our times are different in processing things as well because I am logic-based and less feeling-based. We can sit down and have the conversation and he can say, this is what my thoughts were when I walked through the door. And my reaction to when he initially said that was I got upset. I was like, well, how come you didn't tell me this beforehand? You walk in the door, you have these expectations that you didn't even communicate to me. And then I don't 
do what you expected me to do and you're upset with me. So in turn, I'm upset. Then he finally tells me what his expectations were. And then I'm mad because he never voiced that to me. Well, that's part of communication. So I had the expectation that he would communicate with me and he didn't. So then I would get mad and I don't usually stay mad. I can walk away from that pretty quickly, but I need to pull away from the conversation. I need to think about it and process it. And then I can come back and let it go and then be totally fine. However, Paul's expectations were that we would talk it out and we would hit resolution during the conversation. And I don't work like that. So this would obviously perpetuate us into craziness because he's wanting to talk it out. And I'm like, leave me alone. I'm mad. (laughs) So we just went round and round. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was a it was a shock to my system when we got married and started entering these crazy cycles because um, not that I didn't have those in prior relationships. Um, I did. I didn't know what they were. I didn't know how to recognize them. I never did any work. I just, you know, did what I did and hoped for the best. And eventually things seemed to resolve themselves, even though they really didn't because there was a lot of underlying hurt and damage that was caused in conversations in previous relationships. And unless you eventually work through those, they kind of just, they kind of start to build up. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, that, uh, the backpack theory, the backpack theory, right? Where you, where you're carrying all this weight in your backpack, all this kind of like carrying luggage around with you. And, um, we do that. We, we start to store things in our backpack and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier until we can't take it anymore. And I think I, I did that for a long time, probably until I met Jen. The first 40 years of his life. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then I was still doing it when we first got married and probably didn't start to not do that until after we came back together after our separation. Which of course you guys don't know about because we didn't give you that story. So yes, we got married and shortly after we got married and went through these when I say crazy cycles, I don't mean like little bitty crazy cycles. I mean like knock down, drag out, like crazy cycles of I hate you and whatnot. Uh, we actually separated, filed for divorce, and we were done. Absolutely, completely done. And that really kind of goes back to what we expected our marriage to be like. Because when we started dating, we decided that we were going to do it the godly way. We were abstinent. We, you know, went through marriage counseling. We went through personality uh, profiling. And in that personality profiling right off the bat, the woman that uh, we talked to basically told us that we were opposite. Like we couldn't be more opposite. Uh, genuinely could not be any more opposite than Paul and I are. It just doesn't exist. (laughs) And, but she said, She gave us advice that we obviously didn't heed at the time in that we can learn from each other's weaknesses and strengths and build off of each other. And rather than doing that, we had this expectation that we were going to get married. It was going to be shiny and new. We were going to love each other. And gosh, maybe I I think it was on our wedding night. We had uh, poor expectations, and that was because of baggage that Paul had 
surrounding intimacy. Um, so I had the expectation of how our wedding night was going to go. And I'm sure he had his own expectations, but because of the intimacy baggage that he brought in, even on our wedding night, I remember having feeling that I had done something wrong because of his shutdown after, which we'll get into in future episodes. You know, we'll probably have one that just is on that, but that goes in line with just how the expectations of what we thought our lives were going to look like, what marriage was going to look like, just wasn't the case. Not even a little. So you heard us uh, mention the crazy cycle uh, more than one time. And probably some of you were like, what's the crazy cycle? Is that something you guys came up with? And so it's not something we came up with. Um, It's actually from a study and a book that we read and did called Love and Respect. Emerson Egerich. Yeah, Emerson Egerich. I think we've both gone through it a couple of times because it's a really, really good book and audio book to listen to in the car. And they give you lots of, there's a lot of tips and tricks and tools and things to use in dealing with things like expectations in marriage. And it's a really awesome study. So the crazy cycle is just when you, you go crazy on each other. Well, it goes a little bit deeper. So if you actually read the um, the book, and there's books, you can do the audio book. Um, if you're an auditory listener, there's actual written studies that you can do. There's videos that you can buy. Uh, what it's based on is love and respect, hence the name of it. And it is geared how the women are wired versus how men are wired. And women are wired to need love, and men are wired to need respect. And women in our effort to be helpful for our men we think we think we're being helpful we genuinely think we're being helpful by telling them how they need to do things and then they hear that as disrespectful and then they respond unloving and that's what sets the crazy cycle in motion and it's basically by treating the person in a way that isn't suited for the way that they receive things. Uh, for example, what for me to feel loved by Paul, I like touch, I like connection, I like communication, all the things that women like, you know, all the stuff men are probably going, <laughs> that's all the stuff that you guys are like, get away from me. Well, that's, you know, I'm a woman, so that's the kind of stuff that makes me feel loved. For Paul, he wants to be respected and he while he likes those things as well what he needs for me from me is he needs praise from me he needs me to look up to him he needs me to um, realize that he is a man and he is fully capable and i don't need to help him with everything because what inevitably happens through my pursuit to be helpful is i am criticizing him and i'm being critical around every corner and that criticism is disrespectful and that in itself leads to a crazy cycle so that's kind of where we get the crazy cycle language from and we will talk to each other a lot about it and it's really nice because one of the things in this book is they talk about like the second that you see your spouse deflated so for paul i told you his emotions are really big and for me mine i just withdraw and shut down so when i notice his emotions get really big one of the really big things to realize is something in my communication was received by him as disrespectful and they will even give you little tips which we did in the beginning and whenever he would do that, I would stop and say, okay, what 
did I say that was disrespectful? And then, of course, it would, you know, as we worked through that, those were some fun conversations in themselves, right? (laughs) So in a nutshell, you go crazy on each other. Yeah, exactly. And not just a little crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So one thing I I do want to, I'm going to veer off to the the side here. I'm going to take a right turn. Jen's brain is like a 100 terabyte computer. So she can like recall things. She has like a like the most incredible memory. She recalls everything. My brain is like, where's my floppy? And let me put it into the floppy drive and let me access this. It might take a while. I don't I don't have the memory she has. I actually have short some short term memory issues caused by my bipolar disorder, I'm sure. That's why I may stop or <laughs> say something like, you just go crazy on each other because I will not have the ability to recall everything at once, especially if, if I feel like I'm like under pressure, like right now. I mean, I know no one's actually listening to me right now. And we had that discussion before we even started recording, but it's still like this pressure. And so when I'm under pressure, my mind will sometimes go blank and I'll have a really hard time recalling much of anything, really. That actually has caused major problems in the past for us as well, because when Paul has negative emotions, specifically negative emotions, if he's got happy emotions, then everything's a squirrel. Ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? And of course, with my uh, straight line logic, that can be that's something I had to learn (laughs) to love because you know, what's funny is when we were dating, that was really neat to me. I loved it. But once we got married, it was so irritating. I'm like, focus, I'm right here. I'm saying something that squirrel over there is going to climb the tree. It does what squirrels do. I'm right here. Focus on me. So (laughs) the stuff that I looked at as childlike excitement and imagination and all of that stuff that was just so beautiful before we got married was super irritating after. But with his uh, emotions, when he has negative emotions, that is something that is pretty huge because I had to learn this too, because my husband, I love him dearly. When he has negative emotions, his cognitive reasoning goes out the window. He literally isn't able to reason through his thoughts. He can't recall situations. He, it, it puts him in a really bad place. And I don't know if we've shared this yet. I don't think we have, but we, this is our, this is for Paul, it's his second marriage. It's actually my third. And so we have exes that we have to deal with through blending families and whatnot. And this is something that has, haunted and plagued Paul for his entire life. And I didn't know this. And people can legitimately take advantage of him, manipulate him, change his belief system, and just really take advantage of him because of his uh, his own, I guess, disabilities. I don't know if this is part of the bipolar disorder or just how he's wired, but when he has, or it could just be the foreness in him, when those negative emotions take over, cognitive thinking is, is really difficult. And so the way that I'm wired in that when there's emotions in place, I need to shut down. It's truly a gift in our marriage because I do need my processing time so that I can think through things and he needs the time just to kind of bring his emotions back into place so that he can actually think again. And so that is something that's 
part of both of our mental disorders. And in the beginning, because I have PTSD, when those negative emotions would trigger within him and he would start to talk, it he would say things that weren't logical, that didn't make sense, that um, started triggering me to past hurts. And at the time, I didn't have my official diagnosis. I didn't understand what PTSD or what was happening. And because his need to like deal with it right now, his hovering and following me around, it just caused like horrible stuff to come out of me. And I've heard this said so many times that we're like tea bags. When you have something that upsets you, whatever is in you is what's going to come out of you. And what I had in me, unfortunately, was a lot of anger and hurt from people that hurt me. So my responses to my husband were, I hate you. Or, you know, maybe an F-bomb here or there in the beginning because I... You know, I don't think I've used an F-bomb at you other than in jest in a long time. <laughs> but yeah, that was... <laughs> I thought there was more to the tea bag analogy. Oh, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I pulled a pole. <laughs> so yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever is in you comes out. So you put the tea bag in hot water and then you find out what the contents of what is in there really is. So if you're not actively taking time to address your mental issues and the hurts that you have that are causing those mental struggles, then you're going to store all of that stuff in you. And that's going to come out the second that you have something negative come into play. That's why it's super important to do the work. So I've been listening to different mental illness podcasts and different things related to mental illness. And I've heard, I've heard a lot of conversations about people with mental illnesses. And I know that talking about it is huge. So don't get me wrong here. It is important to talk about it, but it's equally as important, if not more important to do some kind of work to get well. You can't just drown in your misery and, and take people along with you on your you know miserable journey. You have to take steps to a healthier you. And I can't say that everybody with every mental illness can is going to do some sort of work and have great results in x amount of time but there should be some results i mean i guess unless the mental illness is super extreme and here's the the biggest thing is however old you are so paul is 50 i'm 48 when we got married i was 41 42 something like that anyway so we got married 40 years old it took me 40 years to get as jacked up as I was. So when you start working on the path to do the work to become healthy, you have to realize if it took you 40 years to get jacked up, expect it's going to take you 40 years to get well. (laughs) So Paul and I are by no stretch well, but we've done the work that we need to continually get better and to grow and to heal each other through our own mental illnesses. And the work sucks. I'm not going to lie. It sucks. You got to face all that hurt. You got to deal with it. You're going to cry. You're going to, you know, and you have to be aware. Awareness is the first step. And then you have to actively be willing to listen and you have to be actively willing to stop yourself and respond differently. And that's not an easy process. And we're so wired with how we respond to everything that we genuinely have to teach ourselves how to respond differently. And it takes time. It's like, I mean, 
really that applies to, to everything in our lives. Our mental health takes work. Our physical health takes work. Our spiritual health, it takes work. Nothing's Nothing really good just happens. You have to work at it. I mean, anybody that's that's good at anything, they practiced it. So you have to you have to practice, and through that practice, then obviously you're learning to be better, to be healthier, to be stronger, to be more mindful. You know, to be more loving. Wow, those are all things I need to do. <laughs> the other thing, the biggest thing that we also need to practice as a spouse is patience, because I need to be patient while Paul learns and works through things and vice versa. He needs to be patient while I learn and work through things. And because we are both still pretty jacked up people, we do go into crazy cycles over and over again. Um, But I can say that when we first got married, our crazy cycles would last upwards of three weeks. And our crazy cycles now, and it's so funny because I laugh at Paul all the time because I'm very logic-based and he's very feeling-based, as I mentioned before. When we sat down to do this podcast and we had that initial kind of thing, he then went to his friend and he said, yeah, my wife and I had a fight. And I just kind of laughed and I thought, we did not have a fight. Uh, So our crazy cycles now have gone from lasting upwards of three weeks to now a really bad crazy cycle for us will be maybe a day. And that instance where we got into what he calls a fight, it literally lasted 30 seconds. I mean, so yeah, we had a 30 second fight, but it wasn't even really a fight. It was uh, me looking at the, the lines on the screen and him having the emotions that I tell you fill the room. And then me saying, okay, you're obviously upset. And that takes work to be able to recognize that and to be patient. So I see those emotions and rather than me then just going, he's upset again, I'm just going to leave, I stop and I have to practice patience and realize, okay, something in this caused him to have negative emotions. So now I need to stop myself, I need to not get indignant and I need to say, okay, what happened here? that you're upset with me. And then he was able to tell me that he wanted me to listen to the music, to hear the words, and to tell me what he thought of that. While meanwhile, I'm looking at the computer screen, looking at the lines going, well, the lines don't match. It's, you you remember how the lines are supposed to be? And that's what I'm looking at. And I'm not even cognizant. I heard the words, but the emotional impact of it wasn't there. The lines being the audio levels. She, the audio levels didn't match. Right. So, and I had spent time looking up and listening to different audio tracks, royalty free audio tracks. And um, I found some that I really liked. And so I was really excited to share this particular intro audio track because I just, I love that stuff. And it was like she didn't, she could care less. She was just like, look at the, look at the audio levels. Those aren't, those aren't right. <laughs> That's like, exactly what about the what I did. But listen to the music. It sounds so good. <laughs> and that's kind of how our everyday life is. <laughs> is just like that because he'll want to share some little video or something and I'm not in the frame of mind or I haven't set myself into going, okay, let me receive Paul's excitement here. I'm busy with this factual something over here and we can literally tune each other out completely or have wrong responses and he was listening to the audio track and for me I didn't even know it was a different audio track 
didn't even know because he sent me some stuff earlier and I listened to him like, yeah, that's great. But it was, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't something that I was focused on. So when he came in and he was wanting me to listen to a different audio track, he's just, ooh, excited. Listen to this. And to me, I thought I was listening to the same thing again. I didn't even realize that there was something different in there. See? <laughs> You know, this is, I got to say, we're, we even have our dogs are opposite. And Paul just sent me a picture today where he's, he went downstairs and my dog was sitting on my side of the couch and his dog was sitting on his side of the couch. We are so opposite in everything that from what we like to what we do to how our animals behave with us. It just, it's one of those things where we can either really thrive off of it and be excited about our differences. And for me to learn in the areas that Paul is extremely strong in, such as emotions. I mean, emotions are a beautiful thing if you allow them. And for me, for him, for me to be able to see the logic side and for me to be able to talk him down from his emotions when his emotions take over, we can truly lean on each other, guide each other, grow with each other, and fall deeper and deeper in love with each other if we learn to allow our differences to work together instead of fighting them. Uh, One of the issues that we had, well, maybe we still have it, and I think a lot of people have it too, is um, tone of voice. That may even be a separate podcast in itself, but I remember having a conversation in the grocery store about that because that was another expectation of mine is that I kind of expected that my wife would respond to me in a particular way, like all the time. Like she should respond to me lovingly and not, you know, be... Never get upset. Yeah, never get upset. <laughs> so we had this conversation in the store and she literally, I mean, it makes me feel like a little kid. She's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm broken just like you. I'm not always going to respond in kind. Uh, I, you know, I'm just not going to... I'm not going to. And it took that conversation to really kind of wake me up and go, oh, okay. So it was just, it was, an, it was kind of an eye-opener for me. I know that may sound dumb, but it really was. And I, that's a memorable moment for me. It was in the tea aisle. <laughs> I think it was. Remember how he said that my memory is like really spot on? Yeah. Yep, totally yeah. is. <laughs> and I remember that too because I remember us laughing as we walked through about how many couples will stop in the middle of the grocery store and communicate through something that could easily start a crazy cycle while regardless of people walking up and down the aisle versus allowing that to impact the rest of our day and allow it to cause us to be in dissension with each other for the rest of the day. No, we'll, I, we will now, and we didn't used to, we will now stop. And instead of allowing the tea slash coffee aisle to ruin our whole day, we'll just stop, address it right then and there. Yes, we will. And it's sometimes not always pleasant either. I mean, <laughs> sometimes she'll say things to me that I don't want to hear. You know, if I have an opinion or an expectation, I, sometimes we don't want to hear the truth, I guess, uh, because the truth hurts, you know, and and I think you have to be mature enough 
to be able to take that kind of constructive criticism and learn from it and grow from it. And that took that took me a long time because I came from a environment where it was all out. You you yelled and screamed and then you would kiss and make up later, but you never really talked about the issues. You just kind of swept them under the the rug. And I think that's really unhealthy. You have to talk about it. You have to talk about it and talk through it. Early on when we were working through things, one of the things that just stopped my husband dead in his tracks, and I think, and I'm actually kind of tearing up right now, this was something huge that I had never, because my family was like that. If we would talk to each other and we would point things out, our knee-jerk reaction is just like everybody else, to be offended by it, to be upset by it, but the next day we would come to each other and we would say, you know what, you were right. And Paul brought some stuff to my attention that I was doing. And I remember saying, you're absolutely right. And I was wrong. And having the look on his face just being floored. Because never before in his 40 plus years had anyone ever done that for him. Had ever said, I was wrong. Instead, they were just so fisticuffs in pointing out the flaws in everyone else that they never owned their own issues. And I think that was the biggest step for us to move toward healing was owning our wrong. Yeah, when somebody starts to, you know, I think you, when you're around a certain type of person or whether that's family or or friends, I mean, you kind of, we're almost like chameleons. We become like that person or like that conversation, you know, you to blend in, to, to belong. And so Jen was so different from pretty much any person I think I've ever met. <clears throat> I still think she's different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very different. <laughs> um, and a, a lot of people have a hard time understanding her. I had a very hard time understanding her in the beginning. Our pastor at the time, we would go and see him for counseling and he would tell us, don't text each other because that's the worst form of communication and you, you can't you can't hear the person's voice, their inflection in their voice. You can misread texts very easily. And so we, we tried more communication. But to this day, we still, you know, when we do get into some kind of disagreement or fight, she will, we, we will separate. She'll, she'll go into a different room and she will text me. And that's just, and that's okay too. So I, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing because we do round up later once emotions have calmed down, but sometimes she just needs to get stuff out via text, whether it's the truth or not, because there are times where she will send a text and it is just, I'm reading it and I'm going, how can she be saying this right now? And I have to remind myself, she has PTSD. Things are triggered. She has depression, chronic depression. She has all these, these illness, this illness that, that kind of haunts her and hurts her and those that hurt comes out in her words. And so it's hard for me to separate what's true, what's not true from a text message, but I'm slowly getting there. And I am able to look at these things and go, okay, this is just her venting basically. It's my hurts. Venting her hurts. And she has to get it out so she can clear it out of her. And I, I think I'm the same way because I'll, I'll vent to a friend, you know, and I'll, I'll send him a box and go, man, this is what happened. And it was, 
terrible and but I I would say 90 97 77 <laughs> <laughs> What? I will I will take ownership of 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 my part in that too. I don't just I don't just unload on my wife. I mean, if there's something that I did and usually that's all the time. I <laughs> I will I'll take I'll take responsibility for my my part in it for sure because you have to it's it's never just one person never it really never is and the beautiful part is that Paul does take ownership maybe not right away uh, there are times where he's you know got to get through the emotional aspect of it and he'll come around later if I'm really hurt and there are times that I got to come down and apologize for whatever my words were because I was in the wrong. A lot of times when we do that separation thing and I send him a text, it's really because we're still in the height of emotions and we have learned that when there are negative emotions, we don't do well. So I'll send him a text or vice versa and that gives him the ability to think about it and me the ability to pose the topic. So that way when we do round up later, we can address it in a calm, less emotional, less impacted, fire-driven kind of a way. So he's had time for the sharpness of my tongue to start healing, I guess, because I've already wounded him and stabbed him in the in the throat with my words. And he's had time More for that. More on stabbing later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's had time to let that sink in. And then when we round up, we are able to, like we are now, we're able to sit down, talk about things, work through things, and we can legitimately have joy and laugh at each other for just being stupid because we both get stupid in emotion. One thing that our former pastor did say that I thought was pretty helpful was uh, in the throes of emotion to um, take a time out, literally say, hey, I need a timeout. And so that was something that was helpful for a while, at least, where we, we would tell, I would tell Jen or she would tell me, usually she's telling me because usually I'm the one that's following me around. Yeah. Or being <laughs> difficult or being very emotional. <laughs> we need to talk about this now. And half the time, the texts that I get from him in response are, I don't understand why we can't work through this. Really? Our crazy cycles now last all of six hours. Why I don't understand why we can't work through things. It's it's always a matter of you know that's kind of where he comes through through it because he's in the throes of his emotions. So rather than following me around to talk through it, he'll respond to the texts with "We need to work through this now." Yeah, I'm kind of a jerk. Yeah, sometimes, but you know what? I'm no peach because I'm cold. He's got all of these emotions and I am extremely cold and withdrawn and I pull back and that's kind of how I protect myself. I give my love out when I'm comfortable and feeling safe and I withdraw my love when I feel scared or vulnerable. Well, I'm a jerk because I withdraw my love whenever the negative emotions or conversation revolve around me. So if she is upset about somebody else, then I can show her some compassion. But if so if it is about me, if it has anything to do with me, I go on the defense and it's not cool. Yeah, and it can be something stupid like your pinky toenail's too long. <laughs> He's looking at his toenail. I don't even know I didn't look at it this time. <laughs> 
but those are the kind of things that can send him on the defensive. Anyway, we were hoping to keep these podcasts um, between 30 and 45 minutes, and we're getting kind of close to that. So I think we should probably wrap this one up. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, I hope it was educational and informational and and maybe entertaining (laughs) as well. We look forward to future podcasts and uh, sharing more of our life and our experiences and just and we look forward to to connecting with some of you too and hearing what you have to say and what you've been through oh which me brings us to our uh, website is marriageintherough.com and you can email us at info at marriageintherough.com with questions that maybe you'd like for us to address in future podcasts but anyway that's kind of a new thing we don't well, I don't know how to navigate or work through it yet, but eventually, hopefully I will, but Paul set that all up. And the last thing that we were going to mention this in the beginning, but see how slow my memory is? It's like coming in now. I finally got the floppy disk to work. We talked about before starting this podcast that we wanted to be very truthful and very transparent about everything. And in doing that, we may offend some people. We will likely offend you. Likely. <laughs> yeah. And um, unapologetically, because this is who we are, and we are in a time where everybody's offended by everything left and right, and we've forgotten how to be kind and to allow other people to have their opinions. So, yeah, we're probably going to rub you the wrong way here and there, especially because we are Christians, and that in itself could rub some people the wrong way just right off the bat. And, you know, that it just... It is. It is. That's a good way to close right there. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time. We won't see you. We'll, you'll hear us. Whatever. <laughs>